You're listening to Bloomsby Radio, 87.9 FM, online and on your smart speakers. Just configure Bloomsby Radio in your settings. Now for a real treat. In the run-up to Bloomsby Festival, starting this Friday, the 15th of October, we are joined by some of the people behind the first event in the festival programme. I speak, of course, of NW Live Arts and their concert, which will explore the idea of belonging. It's taking place at 7pm on Friday in Conway Hall. And I'm joined now in the studio by Caroline Heaslop, John Simmons and Hazel East, just some of the people behind the event. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you here. So um, make sure you stay close to those mics. Absolutely, you you can't be too close to them. (laughs) It's 7.30pm. Oh, pardon me, 7.30pm. Brilliant. We got that on the record, sorted out immediately. So, Caroline, maybe start off with you, just to ask you a few questions about uh, NW Live Arts. What's it all about? And then we look at, you know, this, this, uh, the concert that's going on on Friday. But tell us something about NW Live Arts. So, NW Live Arts is a musical organisation based in Camden that I founded in the end of 2018. The driving force has been and still is that I believe musicians have so much more to offer to society that classical musicians, world musicians, jazz musicians, have dedicated so much of their lives and made such a commitment when they decide to become musicians. And often they struggle to have a career. So I took it upon myself to bring them to set up concerts, and this is what we do, where we bring together fantastic classical musicians, fantastic musicians working in other genres from other parts of the world. For example, a tabla player from India with a string quartet. And we... Um, put on concerts together with community involvement because we are also exploring social themes and this is how I think they can help. That we can look at homelessness or climate change or uh, mental health creatively together with communities and that is what we're doing. So, for example, the project we're doing right now for the Bloomsbury Festival is looking at the sense of belonging and what that means. Mm So through music and through the spoken word, explore that. So uh, before we go on to blogging, because just to explore a little bit about those, uh, the origins of, of NW Live Arts, just before we go on to this current um, uh, project as part of the festival. So when you started that in 2018, what kind of community groups were you bringing into the conversation? What kind of issues were you looking at? So the very first project I did was with uh, an arts and well-being charity called the Free Space Project, based in Kentish Town at Kentish Town Health Centre. And our first concert was at Kentish Town Health Centre, involving writers who had done a workshop with us um, in creative writing as part of the Free Space Project's remit. Mm-hmm. And together with a young string quartet, as it happens, and a tabla player, and we did our first concert. That's how it began. Uh, That's exactly how it began. So, like, that's an extraordinary sort of, you know, contextual, site-specific, go to a health centre, get these people involved. and And the theme was, it was called Music and Mind, and it was about recovering from mental health issues. Right. Now... So from from that time in, in 2018 to the present time, looking now at 2021, you've been working with groups of people and this whole theme of belonging has emerged. How did that emerge and what kind of people have been involved in this conversation? So this is the first of three projects under an umbrella theme of music and place. And so belonging can be interpreted in so many ways. Mm. But what we have, we have already worked in a different way on this project with refugees from freedom from torture 
And now we're working with the community from Hoban Community Association, also the community from Birkbeck University, Compass Collars, students who are refugees and asylum seekers mm-hmm. who've been given an, a grant to come here to study at Birkbeck. Mm-hmm. And so the group of people that have come together in our community creative writing workshop are, are these people. Gosh. Now, Hazel, uh, Hazel East is also joining us. You're involved with that Hoburn uh, community organisation. Talk to us a little bit about that, what it's been like working with NW Live Arts. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been really nice to work with NW Live Arts. Actually, one second, Hazel, because I, I, for some reason you're not registering on um, my desk here. So just uh, get as close to that microphone as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, that's, bit, yeah, that's better. Okay, good. Uh, so uh, it's been lovely to work with NW Live because a lot of what we do at Holborn Community Association is um, around connecting people who might not normally uh, access arts and creativity with creativity. Uh, so I run a community arts program uh, which uh, encompasses visual arts, performing arts, uh, and any other creative forms that, that the local community um, want to get involved with. So it's been a real treat to be able to uh, bring people together with, with Caroline and, and with the musicians from NW Live, but also uh, with John um, and his writing expertise at, at 26 Writers. Now, we're going to come on to John in one second because I want to talk about uh, 26 Writers, which is an, an organisation we looked at last year. We're looking at again this year as part of the festival, a really incredible uh, community-based organisation. But from your point of view, you know, working and being, you know, embedded in the heart of a community uh, here in Bloomsbury, Hazel, uh, can you talk maybe about the effect, the benefits that being exposed to music and quality music can have on those communities? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a really wide, we could be here all day uh, thinking about every single uh, thing that, that's a benefit. But I think really it's the, the confidence and the, the kind of, the permission to, to get involved in something which they might previously not have felt able to, to be part of. And I think sometimes we see ourselves as, oh, well, I, I, that looks interesting, but it, it's not for me. I, people like me don't do that. Uh, it's often something I hear from people. Um, and by being part of being part of a group where they're, they're, they're sitting in a room and we've had musicians come in and play to them and we've watched people's creativity and to know that that those people who've taken part in the workshop are going to feed into a piece where they their work is equal to the work of the musicians, um, I think is really powerful because it gives you a sense of, well, I, I can do this and I, I've done this once and now I'm on a stage or my work is on a stage with the musicians um, and so therefore maybe I'll go and maybe I'll try something new and I'll try, I'll try another new thing because this new thing has really worked out for me and I feel a lot better about being able to try things and try creative, try creative activities. And I imagine, Caroline, that you know that uh, kind of that, that exposure to classical and uh, jazz musical genres is, you know, people talk about making these musical genres accessible to communities who don't normally identify with them. I imagine this is magic, is it? Well, I think obviously that is we're trying to do that we want people who wouldn't normally think oh I'll go to a concert that's got uh-huh. classical music or jazz or or world music realize that suddenly they're in the room with people who are doing that and that they're working together and suddenly it feels different they have experience they engage with it and they're not scared and they this idea of music belonging in inverted uh-huh. commas to a particular audience or to a particular venue fades away and and it becomes a new part of you know collaborative um experience just as as hazel just described mm-hmm. 
Uh, John, I want to bring you in. I get into that. I get into that microphone there because uh, so we we have the music and we have the uh, community involvement. And the third prong to this project, of course, is the written word. Um, so talk to us a little bit, uh, John. Actually, before we get on to the written word, talk to us a little bit about your own background in, in uh, 26 and, and so forth and what that organisation is all about. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm a co-founder of the organisation called 26. We're called 26 because that's the number of letters in the alphabet. And um, it sort of appealed to our sense of humour, I think, to have a writing group named after a number. And uh, so... We've, uh, we've been going for about 20 years now and um, we partner with other organisations because we enjoy the collaboration and we've been part of the Bloomsbury Festival for I think it's the last six years now and so this current project um, or series of projects that are happening as part of uh, the, the current festival is probably our deepest immersion in, in the, the Bloomsbury Festival. And uh, it's all happening. This is live. <laughs> it all happens okay. when it's live. Sorry You'll about that. Yeah, things out there. Yeah. Uh, so our deepest immersion in the Bloomsbury Festival so far. So uh, I'm just one of 26 projects that are happening at, uh, through uh, the 26 organisation. And I was introduced to Caroline, ooh, at least six months ago now, I, I guess. And I was really excited by the prospect of, of working with uh, NW Live Arts because it had this musical element that I was very interested in, which is not to say I'm at all musical myself, but I'm very interested in the way that other arts can inspire and stimulate writing. In, in, in particular. So Caroline um, wanted to create poetry through a series of workshops and we had the, the prospect of a mixed group of writers in that workshop uh, in, enabled really by, by, by Hazel uh, in, in large part through the Hoban Community Association and as Caroline says through Birkbeck as well. And, and I really enjoyed the prospect of this mixing of people, half of them based in the local community and the, the other half of them coming into the country as, 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 as refugees and finding their way here and exploring with both of those groups this idea of a sense of belonging mm-hmm. um, because it's not really about nationality and, and all that. So in the same way that the music is crossing borders, uh, we try to explore these issues of crossing borders in, in, in your own mind as well through writing. And so that was the, 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 the theme, if, if, if you like, behind the writing workshops we started running. I'm, I'm guessing there's a kind of a consolation in writing, would you say, when, when it comes to, particularly if you're in a country which is not your own, if you're new to it, you're dealing with all the sorts of things that refugees have to deal with. There must be some consolation in the writing process. Yeah, because, it, well, you know, unlike many other art forms, you don't need much, really, mm-hmm. to get on and write. Mm-hmm. You just need a pen and paper, really. Uh, it is the most basic. And so the, the, there, is, uh, the, the, there is that element of, of consolation, as you say, but not necessarily for the, for the refugees is it consolation in terms of the, the language that they'll, they'll be using because they might come into this country 
uh, and their first language will be something completely different. We, mm-hmm. we, we've got people on, on our workshops whose native language will be Yoruba, for example, mm-hmm. or Igbo. And they are writing in English, but they're also at times using their own languages as well, uh, which is it's a sort of joyful exploration, I would, I would say, mm. uh, because language does have that ability to, to cross borders. People can express themselves in a number of different languages. Mm. And I'm always astonished by the ability of people who don't have English as their first language to really make sense of their, their, their own lives and their emotions through using the, the English language. Mm. John, uh, just one question that cropped up there when, uh, in my mind when, when you were talking. Have you, you know, you're a, I mean, you're an English graduate yourself. You, you, you know your stuff. Um, do you find uh, that people whose first language is not English, that they can bring certain things, I'm thinking in terms of form, I'm thinking in terms of rhythm, that they can bring new things to the English language? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the English language, uh, anyway, is, um, is a language made up of immigrant words, mm-hmm. if, if, if you like. So, you know, it's one of the reasons why English has got such a large vocabulary compared to a lot of other languages. Yeah. We import so many words yeah. in, into English. Uh, you know, even, even some of the most, what we think of as quintessentially English words, like bungalow, mm-hmm. for example actually is a word from uh, from India. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, well, you, you, you know the Irish influence on the English language. Indeed, as yeah, well. yeah. And, and of course, and the influence of the English language on, on, the, on, on Irish writing, you know, it's, yeah, has, has yeah. been extraordinary. It's yeah. interesting, just as a little aside, but we have time, so I might as well say it, yeah. but I went to a reenactment of the Battle of Hastings at the weekend. Did you? I did, with my goddaughter, and, uh, on the, you know, on the battlefield down there in, in battle, um, and what surprised me was that uh, the Anglo-Saxons who were occupying the battlefield first, you know, they had the cred behind them. And then the Normans arrived and they got booed. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like shouting, excuse me, you are all Normans. <laughs> but um, they got booed. But of course, it is interesting, isn't it, to look at the evolution of the, um, uh, the, evolution of the English language and to see those Anglo-Saxon words and then the, the kind of the long, you know, Norman words coming in and all that kind of stuff. It really is an extraordinary language. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And I do yeah. think it's England's great gift to the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Anglo-Saxons, of course, were uh, also from Germany and Denmark. Indeed, yeah. I did have to look because I, on the way down on the train on Saturday morning, I was wondering who was I as an Irishman? Who should I be shouting for here? You know, and I did realise <laughs> that there was only one Anglo-Saxon incursion in Ireland. Do you know that? In what is now County Meath, they kind of kept themselves to themselves. But uh, anyway, I did end up uh, shouting for them. You know, they were better dressed, <laughs> neither here nor there. Caroline, I want to go back because that kind of the international uh, kind of uh, the contribution that an international community can bring to our culture here in London, is well marked, obviously, in, in the written form. Uh, and I'm imagining that has a similar influence in music. And talk to us a little bit, if you can, just about the, the repertoire of music that we're going to be treated to on Friday evening and why you've chosen that. OK, so the musicians playing um, on Friday are Atab Haddad, who is an oud player who plays Middle Eastern music. Now, just tell us what an oud is. An oud, well, it's a stringed instrument... Um, played with um, a plectrum, and it is, um, I think that's right, gosh, I oh, better yeah. get that right. <laughs> you might have to edit that out. <laughs> anyway, it's a stringed instrument like a guitar, um, uh, but it has a bowed-shaped back like 
um, a lute. So we part of our the thinking behind this group of instruments is that we have also got a lute player who is a, a musician who plays what's known as early music, and he plays the lute. He plays the bass lute, which is also known as the theorbo, and he plays a baroque guitar. And we have these two instruments. We all and I'll come back to that relationship in a moment. They also we also have a fantastic young pianist called mm-hmm. Christina McMaster. The lute player is called Toby Carr, by the way. And then we have a phenomenal percussionist called Antonio Romero, who's Spanish, has background in flamenco um, and in Middle Eastern music also. And uh, this is a fairly typical mix. I mean, we always have, um, you know, a classical Western European musician like Christina who's the pianist mm. but she plays a vast wide-ranging repertoire as as do they all and they're all open to to changing their pieces to adapt to this unusual combination so you're going to hear some very unusual mixes of um, and takes on pieces there's a famous piece by Satie which some of you will recognize from ringtones called Gymnopédie number no. one which we're playing and uh, you, you won't have heard anything like it before. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is joyousness mm-hmm. and celebrating the fun of talking across the world mm. through music. So um, the thinking behind it is that no one instrument belongs to anybody in, or no kind of music belongs to a particular audience. It makes me very angry when classical music audiences complain. Uh, recently there was a whole furore over Nigel Kennedy and uh, playing the four seasons Mm -hmm. in a different way and uh, of course it should be (laughs) you can reinvent and reimagine in fact our our strap line is reimagining reimagining classical and world music in neighborhood venues what a what a great great strap line yeah, but because I, I, I heard, because of course Handel it was a strong association with Dublin. You know, the Messiah was first performed in St. Michael's Church in Dublin. But I heard a few years ago a group of young people rapping the Hallelujah Chorus. And I kind of thought, oh, what an amazing way to bring Handel into the 21st century. You know, it's extraordinary, the creativity. Because, you know, that established canon should be played with. That's what being creative is all about. Can I just add to that? Please do. Because yep. in relation to what John has been doing... The, the wonderful thing about doing creative work is you're making something. Mm. So if you invite a group of people to explore what is ultimately a serious theme, mm. belonging and what it means, especially if you are, for example, an asylum seeker. But what John has been able to do is to do fun exercises to stimulate them to suddenly use language in a way they've never done it before. They're having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed this across all our projects when you have a serious theme the creative work that comes out isn't quotes serious it's beautiful it's it's extraordinary it's mm-hmm. lively mm-hmm. it's positive mm-hmm. and that is part of the process mm-hmm. so it's ultimately we hope very restorative and very healing you know one of the things i love about you guys you're sitting there you're relaxed you're smiling at me this is what community radio is all around all about so since this interview began our doorbell has gone three times <laughs> Somebody has walked into the studio, and now what sounds like a Chinook helicopter has just flown past our window. So, look, this is what it's all about. And, you know, you're you're good natured about it, and uh, my thanks for my thanks for your uh, for your patience. Uh, before you all go, though, Hazel, I just want to talk about the impact that a project like this has in the community that you're working with. You know, what, what's their experience been? And do you know before you do that, you know, you see the part of the microphone that John was speaking into. Pull that around and talk into that part because I think it's stronger. That bit. Yeah, that's yeah. E- that's even better. Thanks, Hazel. Yeah. Um, 
I think just before I talk about impact, I wanted to sort of reiterate what Caroline was saying about, I think for us, by working with our community on a creative writing project, rather than saying this is a classical concert and you're going to be part of a classical music concert, mm. writing is a, a much more accessible way in to... Um, to classical music than just saying oh come along to a classical music concert then mm -hmm. people go oh no I don't do classical music whereas actually come along and tell your story well we've all got stories you know we can all we can all even if we don't write it down we can all tell the story mm -hmm. um, so by doing that I think the way that Caroline's put this project together is really clever because it's it's given people an ease and John's delivery of those projects as she was saying has given people an ease that they wouldn't have had if I said oh we're going to do a, a project on classical music and there's yeah. going to be a performance I think everyone would have gone oh no um, and that would have been the end of it mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the, the impact I think it's helped people help people to oh, I hate the word access but access mm. um, something that they prob probably wouldn't have felt that they were capable of doing before this project um, and I think everybody has said that they didn't realise that they could write and so many people have said to me and thanks to John as well a huge thanks to John mm. that they, they're now going to carry on writing or that they realise that they, they have got something interesting to say um, I know one of our participants um, shared some of his writing with somebody else recently and they said oh you, you've got to keep writing you should write because he's been writing about London um, you should write a book of poems about London and now he's really thinking about that and I think everybody's going to get something different out of it and it'll be interesting to see in the longer term where people go with their writing and whether they continue to engage with both writing and classical music but I think there's been a really positive a positive kind of group bonding exercise as well as individually positive on their kind of creativity and what they might do in future because a group they've all gained in confidence and they've met new people um, I mean that's the point of a community association is to bring people together so I think from that regard the project's been incredibly successful um, and hopefully we've got a group of people who will keep in touch and, and continue to, to know each other after the project and also continue to develop their creativity. And you know Hazel also to say to you, uh, you know whenever you guys want to use uh, Bloomsbury Radio Studios here because you know, not, not just where the festival is concerned but whatever is going on throughout the year. I want to go back, pass that microphone over to John for one second because I want yeah. to just explore John a little bit more about this notion of consolation, the word just came to me earlier on, but something that Hazel said there about the process of the writing. Uh, I have a theory that everything in the world is too fast, that uh, you know, we have too much news too often and blah, blah, blah. There's something about, could we call it an alchemy maybe in writing, that makes us slow down. Is that something that you've encountered in your experience of working with, with these writers? Um, I know that's a leading kind of question, but I'm just interested in it as a theme. It is a I, I guess that what is how do you regard time? Because in a sense, I mean, I agree with you. It, w it would be good for all of us if we slowed down a bit. But often in workshops, I find the best way to really get people to engage creatively with the workshop is to give them hardly any time at all. So often with, mm -hmm. with the exercise I do, I, I would say, well, you've got five minutes. And it is absolutely amazing what people can do in just five minutes. But if you say to people in a work situation, right, could you write me um, this email or whatever it is, and can you do it in the next five minutes? They'll go off and have a cup of tea and yeah. procrastinate yeah. and not want to get around to it at all. But in the situation of, of a workshop, they do it and they share it. I mean, I have to stress, 
a really important part of the workshop is the sharing of their writing. So um, we've, we've done collaborative uh, pieces as well, collective poems that people have produced. And I think I'm as proud of those collective poems as I am of any of the individual poems mm -hmm. that have been produced in this. With the collective poems, I don't think people will be able to go back and read it again and say, oh, I wrote that line. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I claim that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it becomes a shared poem, which, which is a wonderful thing, and in, which sort of ties in with the theme of belonging as mm. well. So where do you belong? Well, in terms of this project, people belong in, in a, a sort of mutually embracing environment where they contributed words that will be part of a musical performance and it's all as one. Mm. And, and, and there's something wonderful about that. The one, one of the exercises that we started to get people to do was just, I am from. Where are you from? Yeah. And you can take that in a very literal way. I am from... Well, you know, I was born up the road in Summers Town, for, for example. Mm -hmm. But I am from that whole mix of experiences, social, educational, political, and so on, that made me who I am. And, and people, if they're coming from Nigeria, bring Nigeria into the room with mm -hmm. them. Yeah. But there are all sorts of other influences as well. And I think that's very much what Caroline and NW Live Arts are doing with the music. There are these themes, influences that are coming from all around the world. And that makes such a rich experience. So it's not the old sort of European classical tradition, which I'm not putting down in any way. But there's a way of enriching it as well. Sure. And, and that's what I find really exciting about the concert that's coming up. Because very often I've found with uh, classical music, it's as if this great, great creativity went into creating it. And then these awful mediocre people came around and put a wall around it and stopped it having any, any kind of the effect it should have been having on our culture and our society. Uh, Caroline, John, first of all, today I love you. I gave you a very leading question. And what you did was, with great politeness and manners, you sent it back to me and said, absolutely not. And I absolutely get that. And I really hope we have an opportunity over the, ne over the course of the next year to uh, see you in action. Because, uh, uh, you know... It's, so important, to. isn't it, to just create mm -hmm. space for people to be able to write creatively and express themselves. And yeah, you know, very, very important stuff. Caroline, before we let you go, can you just give us some uh, details about how people can get tickets and the times and the logistics? Can I just say I feel very privileged because I've been invited to take part in this concert and I'm going to be contributing something myself. <clears throat> a verse from, uh, not a verse, but a piece of prose from John O'Donoghue who was an Irish writer who I knew and greatly respected. So it'll be my great privilege to take part in that show on Friday evening. But just give our listeners a little bit of information on where they can get tickets and that kind of stuff. So um, the concert is at 7.30pm at Conway Hall in Red Lion Square on Friday the 15th. You can get tickets either via the NW Live Arts website www.nwlivearts.co.uk sorry <laughs> um, or um, and very simply go to the Bloomsbury Festival website and um, uh, select the 15th of um, October and you'll be able to get tickets um, that's that's it brilliant it's and as easy as that it's as easy as that and can I just say that mm -hmm. it's going to be a very upbeat concert. This mm -hmm. is very exciting, building a momentum to over the 
the course of the evening with everything from solo piano music to ensemble music to duets and some interactive poets and um, musicians' work and some fantastic poetry readings. Um, and Caroline, you'll be pleased to know that I've actually sent my upbeat jacket to the dry cleaners for the event. So I'll be looking, you know. We're, we're looking upbeat, yes. We're, we're all going to be upbeat. Really, really looking forward to it. Caroline Heaslop, uh, John Simmons and Hazel East, thank you so much indeed for coming into the studio. Uh, you know, you're, you're people who just make this community what it is. You're, you're there doing this really important work, most of which just goes unheralded. Uh, it's, it's really important. We really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. you. And just a final reminder from me, tickets are available via the festival website or, and this is important, you can buy them on the door before the performance begins. Music and Place, Belonging, takes place this Friday the 15th of October at 7.30pm at Conway Hall.